contemporary writer and speaker and preacher Rob Bell reminds us about the best question we should ask whenever we turn our hearts to Scripture. What's the best question we should ask when we open the Scriptures? It is this question. Why did people find this important to write down and preserve? So with that question in mind, listen to this text from the Gospel according to Mark. I'm beginning at the 24th verse, and I bet you, you didn't hear or learn this text in Sunday school. From there, he, Jesus, set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house, and he did not want anyone to know he was there. He could not escape notice. A woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast out the demon of her daughter. Jesus said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying in the bed, and the demon gone. Then he, Jesus, returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an, who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in prayer, away from the crowd, and put his finger into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue, and then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha. That is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was re released, and he spoke plainly. And then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously, zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the word of the Lord. There are several things to note about this passage. First, this passage wakes us up to the geography of the region. See, if we have a sense of the places and the movement of the passage and the people in this region, these regions, the message might sink in further. The passage says, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. That sounds like a lot of other parables. Jesus is on the move. He's just on the move again. Well, this is not just on the move. This is taking a big trip, a big trip. We mostly have stories of Jesus hanging around the Sea of Galilee, this northern part of Israel, uh, going from little town to little town, not wandering very far. But Tyre is on the Mediterranean Sea, more than 30 miles from Galilee. And he doesn't have a car. He doesn't have a chariot. He doesn't have Uber. Tyre is a Greek city, and the Greeks called it Phoenicia. Phoenicia from their word purple. 
along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, around Tyre, was a shellfish, and the, the, they discovered and extracted purple dye from this shellfish, and the Greeks shipped it all around the world. Phoenicia. Jesus goes to Tyre, this port city, Phoenicia, basically a foreign country. And Jesus encounters a Syrophoenician woman. The woman is a Gentile, the passage says, not Jewish. It's kind of superfluous, redundant to say this, to even mention this, because if you're a woman in Phoenicia, you're a Syrophoenician woman, that means you're definitely a Gentile, not Jewish. Gets a little redundant. Staying with geography for just one more moment, it says Jesus, after this healing, returned to Galilee from Tyre by way of Sidon. Sidon is also on the coast of the Mediterranean, and it's 20 miles north of Tyre. So if you're going to Galilee by way of Sidon, it's like going to New Jersey in order to get to North Carolina. Nobody would do that, except maybe truckers who get paid by the mile. They're going to go there and then go to North Carolina. Most of us wouldn't do that. There's something going on here, a message to pay attention to. Jesus is broadening his reach, his influence, his circle. God is at work beyond the local, beyond the Jews. Beyond the familiar, hold on to that thought. Second, this passage is not just about geography. There are some troubling happenings in this passage. A sincere Syrophoenician woman seeks help from Jesus. At first, Jesus ignores her. He's gone into a house to find some rest. He's tired. He's trying to get away from the crowds, yet he cannot escape notice. Even Syrophoenician women have learned about Jesus and his amazing ways. And this particular Syrophoenician woman pursues him into the house even as he seeks rest. Now, the dialogue here in this little passage between Jesus and this Syrophoenician woman creates some of the most eyebrowsing eyebrow-raising scenes that we have in all the Gospels. Is Jesus even sensitive to this woman? Is Jesus a racist? Is the Savior of the world talking with such disdain and condescension to this woman? This seems troubling, especially in the face of the woman's suffering. Troubling. Troubling. Maybe it's similar to the recent news of Colin Kaepernick and Nike. Have you heard about that? Kaepernick, you probably know, has become the face of the NFL players who have been kneeling in protest during the national anthem. In fact, Kaepernick, uh, once a Super Bowl quarterback, is not even in the NFL anymore. And that's another story. But he emerges this past week as the face of Nike in new advertisements. Is it troubling? Or is there a larger message here? Here's the truth. Like the passage, 
when it looks troubling, something important is going on. We know we have to pay attention. We've got to pay close attention. And we might be careful and we might be cautious in jumping to conclusions. Okay? Let's look a little bit more closely at this dialogue in this passage from Mark. The Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus and bows down at his feet. This is not to be missed. She doesn't force herself on Jesus. She submits to Jesus. She doesn't just cry out in desperation, yelling at him. She bows at his feet. And then she begs him to cast out the demon from her daughter. She's a woman. Jesus is a man. Even today in the Middle East, especially in conservative areas, men and women don't talk to strangers across gender boundaries. Jesus is also a rabbi. And in public, rabbis did not talk to female members of their own families. Further, the woman is a Gentile, and she's seeking a favor from a Jew. Somewhere along the way, the woman had enough knowledge about Jesus and his healing, and she also has enough courage and enough commitment to reach out to Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, in hopes that his compassion would cross all these boundaries and he would heal her daughter, her very sick daughter. Jesus' response is stunning. It's even jarring. Let the children be fed first, for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. In one sentence, he relates several things. As a rabbi, he shouldn't be responding to a woman in a public setting. That would be too controversial. As a Jew, he's uncomfortable talking to a Gentile. And... With a clear sense of his mission, he's come to the house of Israel to alert the Jews and lead them toward the reign of God. Jesus had a certain limited perspective of his calling and of his ministry. And then as a human being, as a human being, he shows just how very easy it is to say things that are hurtful and unnecessary. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. He calls her a dog. Even the best person in the world can say hurtful and harsh things. I find some comfort in that. That doesn't give us permission to be condescending or to be hurtful. It intends to get our attention. Get our intention so we do not miss what follows. Would the woman take the hint and just go away? Especially uh, since Jesus really wants just to be at rest in a house entire? Could she be dismissed so easily? Maybe? Well, I'm sure that there was a very long pregnant pause in the house that day. But sir, she's so respectful. But sir, even the dogs under the table get the crumbs. Don't you wish you could be so quick? Don't you wish you could be so thoughtful? Don't you wish you could be so spirit-filled 
in some moments that seem so important where you could just say the right thing? Her response is both moving and magnificent. With the sobbing screams of her daughter ringing in her ears. With courage, with persistence, she simply reminds Jesus of the larger truth. Even the dogs get the crumbs. Even the Gentiles entire need healing. Even people in far places, Syrophoenicians, wherever you think, are looking for wholeness. We're all looking for wholeness. And for saying that, Jesus says, for saying that, the demon has left your daughter. Can you see why people wanted to preserve this passage? Can you see why this passage is so meaningful? Even Jesus, as fully human, can make a racist and condescending comment. And even Jesus needs to be reminded sometimes about the expansive love and the wholeness that God intends for everyone, everywhere. God's love, God's steadfast, abiding care, it's for all people everywhere. We have to always keep this in mind because all of us, even Jesus, can shrink our hearts and we can assume that it's just for people like me or people that I know or people on my own time or people in a certain setting. We keep needing to expand our hearts about God's plans, God's love, God's purposes, God's healing, God's wholeness. It's for all people everywhere and always. Can you see why people found this passage meaningful to preserve? The expansive love of God, the plans of God, they're always bigger, they're always more bountiful than we want to imagine them. Prejudice, it's in the story. Barriers, right in that story. Insults, boundaries, all in that story. But the story is remembered because of the healing and the compassion and the, and the wholeness. That is what carries the day. And we have to keep hearing this, keep learning this. We live in a world of continuing barriers. We live in a world of increasing prejudice. We live in a world of higher boundaries. We live in a world of way too many insults. What does God expect to, uh, from us and for us in regard to wholeness? It's compassion. It's kindness, it's meekness, it's concern for justice, it's openness to God. That's the way to wholeness. The passage continues with another healing story. And this is the last in a healing story, a, a bunch of them in sequence that are all trying to remind us and tell us, who is this Jesus? Well, this second miracle story in our passage today is way more expansive than the first one. There are lots of details about how the miracle happened. Uh, people, they, um, a group of people brought a deaf man to Jesus and laid the man at his feet. And that's a miracle in itself that people cared enough to bring a deaf man right to Jesus' feet. It happens some more in the Gospels, but 
That is a miracle right there. Caring, caring, and caring so much about a man to bring him for healing. And he's not just deaf. He has a speech impediment. So deaf mute is actually the term. He cannot hear and he cannot speak. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, as we know. In this miracle, this healing, there's no debate, no debate about who can talk to who, about boundaries, about who's deserving and who's not. No worries about any of that. Jesus takes the man aside and it gets quite personal, actually. It gets quite intimate. Their fingers and ears and they're spitting and touching the tongue with saliva and casting eyes toward heaven and saying this word, ephatha. All this heightens the intrigue and, and the mystery of the miracle. The man's ears were opened and his tongue is released and he spoke plainly and the crowd is, well, they're astonished. It all happens just like that. And it's another sign that the kingdom of God is near wholeness wholeness means this person can hear and speak wholeness means Jesus is at work wholeness means Jesus never lets us go and so many of us are captive to so many things and there's Jesus bringing wholeness the people say wow he's done everything so well and the deaf hear and the mute speak Jesus is inaugurating the full reign of God. So we have two healing stories here. They're the appointed lectionary for this day. Today, in our lives, my life, Richmond, they're pretty appropriate to me, to us, because we're looking for wholeness. I know I am. Our community has been dealt a lot of grief and loss in the last few days, two dynamic and very capable women leaders in this church, Dot Hart, Stacy Dindy, leave a great void here, a void in our hearts, a void in the work of this church. And once again, once again, the community has to step up. Who's going to fill the void? Who can do it? Who's going to bring fresh love and genuine care to keep us going? Is it you? Who is it? We need to hear these words. Jesus brings us wholeness. Listen to these words from Frederick Beekner. The world floods in on all of us. The world can be kind and it can be cruel. It can be beautiful and it can be appalling. It can give us good reason to hope and good reason to give up all hope. It can strengthen our faith in a loving God. It can decimate our faith. In our lives, in the world, the temptation is always to go where the world takes us, to drift with whatever current happens to be running strongest. When good things happen, we rise to heaven. When bad things happen, we descend to hell. When the world strikes out at us, we strike back. And then when on one way or another, the world blesses us, our spirits soar. Friends, we are in constant danger of being not actors in the drama of our own lives, but reactors. And the fragmentary nature of our experience, says Beekner, shatters us into fragments. Instead of being whole, most of the time we're in pieces, and we see the world in pieces, full of darkness at one moment and full of light the next. 
And Beekner says, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus, of course, and in the people whose lives have been deeply touched by Jesus and in ourselves at those moments when we also are deeply touched by Jesus that we see another way. We see another way of being human in this world, which is the way of wholeness. And God's wholeness is for sure. And God's wholeness is forever. God has plans for us, and they include healing and wholeness. And it's not just plans for us, or a few of us, or some, but for all, not a certain tribe, not just a certain people, all, all people everywhere. God's plans for wholeness are for everyone. We're invited to the kind of persistent, expectant faith of the Syrophoenician woman who didn't give up and whose courage and conviction proved so amazing. We're invited to have the faith and the courage of those who brought the deaf mute to Jesus and laid him at his feet. So many need release, redemption, healing, the love of God to touch our lives. Psalm 124, Charlie read it, reminds us that the Lord is always on our side. If it had not have been so, the enemies would have attacked us. If it had not have been so, the flood would have swept us away. If it had not have been so, the raging waters would have covered us. The psalmist says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth wholeness. Let us in these days keep on, keep on toward wholeness, knowing that whether we live or whether we die, we live in God's realm. We keep on, keep on toward wholeness, knowing that God is with us, calling all of us always to compassion, courage, kindness. And we keep on toward wholeness, seeking to be God's people. The writer Annie Dillard puts it like this, we can't manage God's light. We can't control the light of God that blesses us, the light of God that strengthens us. We can't control it. What we can do is put ourselves in the beam, put ourselves and bring others into the beam. That's all we can do, the beam that will give us wholeness and hope. Persistent faith toward wholeness. Well, that's our privilege. That's our calling. And how much the world needs people who live by persistent faith toward wholeness, grace, kindness, courage, love, following Jesus. This is our way. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Pour out your Spirit on each one of us, O God. Pour out your Spirit on all of us today. We seek wholeness and keep strengthening us for faith and hope and love and life. Following Christ our Lord. Amen.